just as we are God. Father, we trust. We trust Jesus in your heart. We trust in your heart, God. We lean into you, Father. Let us hear your heart be Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your wholeness. Thank you for your promises. Thank you for your love. Your unending love. There's no condemnation. There's no shame in your presence. Thank you for your love. blessing to to my life and to Carla and uh, we really sometimes we just kind of think well we wouldn't know where we'd be without them and uh, we're very grateful for both of you we really are and um, yeah I, I think when I asked Richard to share tonight he was slightly surprised and shocked um, but he's not someone that ever says no to me <laughs> for anything really and I'm very grateful for that too so I'm um, really excited about hearing what Richard's got to share with us so uh, would you just uh, come and take this place here and I'll go this way let's give him a big welcome breaking in some new glasses or at least I'm meant to be um, look good Hold on, let's get this microphone working. Yeah, I'm breaking in some new glasses, or I'm meant to be, but uh, <coughs> it feels like they're breaking me in very focals. Mm, interesting. Anyway, am I in the right place here, Stu? Yeah, you're fine. Fine, good. Okay, as many of you probably know, 
Um, this is my first time speaking to Family Church, and uh, as Stu rightly said when he asked me a few months ago, um, I was I instantly said, "Yeah, of course," because if God wants me to talk, He'll give me the message. I thought, "Okay," so. <clears throat> Then the nerves kicked in and I went through this loop of, okay, where do I start? What am I going to say? How do I make sure I don't let anybody down? And that's my biggest concern, coming to put this message together. So, I just want to pray. Before I start, Father God, I pray just that you would direct my words, Lord. That you would prompt me and whatever I've got written down, you would converted to 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 speak that people will receive in their hearts and just be able to take right to the right to the center of the core of their being lord father god and uh, take that home with them thank you lord amen right um before i actually talk about building the house um i just want to talk a little bit about my journey to get here because when Stuart. As I said, Stu asked me to speak. I went out, I took the dogs for a walk, I went out and prayed. And uh, the first message I got from God was, I don't need you, but I want you. I don't need you to bring this message, but I want you to. And something, something kind of shifted. For me, I'd always known that up here, but I'd kind of... I've got it down here, but maybe not as deeply as I should have. And in, in hearing that, it just started to sink and deeper and deeper into my heart. And as the, the week went on and I prayed about it more, God said to me, I don't need you. I want you. I've chosen you. I love you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a purpose for your life. And that kind of It stirred me. And then God brought something to mind. And, and if all those years ago, when I was first a Christian, if somebody ever said they'd use this to, to explain something, I would have laughed at them. But God brought to, back to mind to me something, a program, a television program that I used to watch when I was a kid. Now, if you're as old as me, you may remember something called the High Chaparral. Okay, a couple of people nodding. Okay, well, in the High Chaparral, there was a family that owned a ranch, and the father, uh, whose name I can't remember, he was played by an actor called Lorne Green. He had three sons. Two were sons that were, if you like, natural sons, and the third one was adopted. And what happened uh, on one particular show, episode of this program, the youngest son, the adopted son, came to his dad and said, I've done it again, Dad, I've screwed up again. I've made a complete mess of things. I am so unworthy. I don't deserve to be called your son. And Dad said to him, God has blessed me with two amazing sons. He's given me those two sons. But I chose you for myself. You are my adoptive son. You have equal rights. You have equal inheritance. And... As an adopted son of the father, that really kind of sunk into my heart. And isn't it something special to be wanted? Don't, don't we, aren't, aren't two of our emotional needs are to be wanted and to be loved. 
And, and this is a message for somebody tonight. I'm, I'm kind of, I'm so thankful for that song we just did. Um, as deep cries out to deep, how desperately he wants us. Yeah. That is the Father's heart. Yeah. That truly is the Father's heart. And I really believe this is a message for somebody. I don't know whether you're here tonight, whether you're watching online, whether you watch this on Catch Up. But the word of God to you tonight is, <clears throat> I don't need you, but I want you. I've chosen you. You are my adopted child. I have great plans for you. And I have a great purpose for your life. Now if that's you, you don't need to raise your hand or get in touch or anything like that, but just receive it deep in your heart because that is the word of God for you tonight. Okay, I'm going to move on. This is number eight, as Pastor uh, Stu has said, number eight in the series of building the church. So number one, Pastor Andy spoke about keeping Jesus at the center. And my wonderful wife, Philippa, spoke on bringing, uh, how he brings beauty from ashes, the story I'm shaking, the story of redemption and restoration. Sean spoke on a mind to work. Nacho brought us the, the topic of a need for unity. And then Pastor Stu spoke on bringing, breaking new ground or taking new ground. Paula and Mandy spoke on dealing with opposition. And then last week, Pastor Stu spoke about protecting what's built. So tonight I have twin subjects. I have, unless the Lord builds the house, and on this rock I will build my church. So I'm going to start by talking about unless, unless the Lord builds the church or builds the house. <clears throat> um, when we talk about building, it's one of those things, I don't know, I, I love the Bible because everything that happened in biblical times all the, all the story they talk about fishing they talk about farming there's, there's talk of building and, and they, things that we can all completely relate to today and, and building is what we're talking about tonight and in Psalm 127 verse 1 it says I don't know is that up behind me? Yeah. it is good okay unless the Lord builds the house they labour in vain who build it am I fidgeting too much? no no I'm no. just going to <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. It's far. All right. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labour in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. What we're clearly being told here is we, can't, we cannot do this on our own. If we try, we will fail. So we've got to rely on God. We've got to trust in all this, God in all this. Ultimately, it's God who's choosing us or God who chose us. <clears throat> he invites us to be part of the building of his house, to carry the kingdom into our workplace, to our families, to our neighbourhood. It's his message that we carry. It's his house. We take it with us. We're part of the house. It's fantastic that God allows us to be part of that. God will build his church. He'll build it with or without us. But I want to be part of that. I hope you guys do too. I'm sure you do. You wouldn't be here. So how does the church get built? I've got three points for you, and we're going to start by talking about the foundations. No surprise there. Any building starts with digging trenches, laying foundations. I studied a bit of building at college when I was a whole lot younger than I am now, and uh, I know that building starts with the foundation. The foundation has to be solid. And if we look in Deuteronomy 32.4, it says, He is the rock. All he does is perfect, and all his ways are just. This is... Um, from the Old Testament, focusing on the fact that they had 
strong foundations. They needed strong foundations in their lives. They were always there. They were always available to them. Sometimes they went off course. They chose to do other things. But the foundation, the rock, was always there. 1 Samuel 2.2 says, There's no God beside you. There's no rock that compares with you. 2 Samuel 23.3 The God, the rock of Israel, the foundation, the the, the, the underpinning strength of Israel <coughs> excuse me, was there for them if they chose to rely on him, if they chose to trust him. They didn't always do that, but he was always there. Yeah. He was the one that was guaranteed. He was the one that was secure. He was the foundation if they chose. Yeah. Many stories as to how they went off course, they did other things, but he was there. He was the foundation. The psalmist picked up on this. If we look at Psalm 31, verse 3. I don't know who wrote this psalm, but there we go. It says, For you are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, therefore, for your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Psalm 62, verse 2. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He's my defence. I shall not be greatly moved. It's, it's really just reiterating and strengthening the fact that if we build on that foundation, we can't go wrong. Okay. Again, so it's, it's in clear. The, the writings of the inspired psalmists, psalm, how do you say that word? Psalmists? Was the steadfastness of God. He could not be easily moved. He was the foundation of their faith and of their trust. <clears throat> If we choose to now, if we look on now to the New Testament, what does it say there? Well, what I want to do is start by looking at what Jesus said. Okay, so if we start in Luke 6, verses 46 to 49. I'm going to read this. I apologise. I'm going to be looking down while I read. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on solid rock. And when the flood rose, the stream beat vehemently against the house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, it is like a man who built the house on earth without foundations, against which when the stream beat vehemently, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. <clears throat> if we build on anything other than the word of God, for our lives, we will lack stability. The rock or foundation which we should build on is forever. Jesus is not here today, gone tomorrow, neither is our, neither is our Father God. God is the same. We know this yesterday, today, and forever. I feel like I'm rushing. I'm going to slow down. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 8 to 15. This starts in the farming field. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. 
Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. <clears throat> I want to pick the middle part of that out and read it to you in the Passion Translation. God has given me, this is Paul again talking to the Corinthians, God has given me unique gifts as a skilled master builder who lays a good foundation. Afterwards, another craftsman comes along and builds on it. So builders beware. Let every builder do his work carefully according to God's standards for no one is empowered to lay an alternative foundation other than the good foundation that already exists, which is Jesus Christ. Okay, <clears throat> I'm going to grab some water, bear with me. So as far as Paul was concerned, he is absolutely crystal clear that Jesus was the foundation on which he wanted to build his life and what he, on whom he wanted the Corinthians to base everything that they did everything that was going to stand the test of time, everything that was going to last. So the question I've got to ask myself, and I invite you to ask it of yourselves too, is what I'm building in my life built on the foundation? Is everything of my life built on the foundation of Jesus Christ? Are there areas that I still need to shall we say, relocate to the right location, to the right foundation. That's a challenge to me. Take that as a challenge for yourself if you're in the place to do so. I'm not going to verbalise it directly to you. Okay, so point two, I move on. We're going to talk about the chief cornerstone. No surprise. <clears throat> in Matthew 21, verse 42... I'll start in verse 42. Um, just as a prelude to this, Jesus had um, just told the parable of the, the wicked wine dressers of the landowner who had uh, leased out his vineyard. Um, and when he sent his servants, and indeed he sent his son uh, to the people who'd rented it from him, he sent them to collect what was his due. They stoned them, uh, they beat them up, and indeed they killed his son. So in verse 42 of Matthew 21, it says... Jesus said to them, have you never read the scriptures? The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits, sorry, bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken. <coughs> Jesus is quoting um, the scripture that he's quoting from is in Psalm 118. And uh, <clears throat> the story, it, it's in Matthew, it's in Mark, and it's in Luke as well. So it's one of those parables that kind of covers three of the Gospels, or is picked up on three of the Gospels. So I, I guess that the writers of the Gospels all felt it was pretty important to, to be included. Um, Jesus is telling what will happen to himself. He will be rejected. And then he says in verse 43, Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you by the people who reject him is taken away from them. So 
eternal age. Jesus is telling us that it's not by law or by ritual or anything else that the kingdom is available. It's available if your heart's right. It's available if you surrender your heart and your life. It's available if you've got a heart to bear fruit and share it with others. Paul's letter to the, to the Ephesians, <clears throat> chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and, foreign, and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for a dwelling place for God's Spirit. Paul has made it as clear as he possibly could. As far as he was concerned, and as far as we should be concerned, Jesus is the cornerstone. What does it mean to be the cornerstone? Well, Pastor Andy spoke on this a few months back. The chief cornerstone is the first part of the building that is laid. You put the foundations down and this is like the, the plumb line for everything else. The cornerstone is the point at which everything else is built out from. And uh, what the scripture is telling us here, is, as far as I'm concerned, it's, um, it's, it's basically we need to align ourselves with the cornerstone. If we align ourselves with the cornerstone, if we build out from the cornerstone, we take what the cornerstone is to the core of ourselves and build around that cornerstone, then we can't build any better. We align ourselves with the plans and the purposes of God. <coughs> Excuse me. So Jesus, God, is the foundation. Jesus is also the cornerstone against what, which we should align ourselves as the house of God is being built. I'm just reading my notes, bear with me. Um, from, from our personal point of view, because we know that uh, we, we know we can trust Jesus and we know that Jesus is secure, we know he's sure and truthful and he, he doesn't have the ability to lie or mislead, we can be confident that if we align ourselves with Jesus, if we align ourselves with the cornerstone, we're not going to go far on. So once again, I have questions, questions for me. What do I align my life with? All aspects of my life. What do I align it with? Are there areas I'm holding back? Things I'm just trying to keep, just sort of over to the side for me? That's a question for me. Okay, part three. The living stones and rocks. This is the building of the walls, the rest of the walls, lining up against the chief cornerstone. That's you and me. That's Peter. I'm going to start in Peter because I just think he's the... Peter's life is something that is really just real to me. Um, I can relate to him so well. First um, Peter 2.5 in the Passion Translation, I'm shaking here. Come and be his living stones who are continually being assembled into the sanctuary, into a sanctuary for God, 
For now, you serve as holy priests, offering up spiritual sacrifices that are readily accepted through Jesus Christ. Peter was perfectly placed to talk about living stones, about being a rock. Remember, Peter had been called Simon. Simon, there are a number of possibilities, and Simon used to have lots of meanings, but it, it, one of the meanings was listener of God, or hearer of God. And what um, Jesus was saying a little while, I'm going to read it in a second, but what Jesus chose to do was to rename him Peter, the rock. And uh, we'll go through that in a little bit. In fact, we'll go through it now. Matthew 16, verses 13 to 20. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Philip, sorry, Simon Barjona. Where did I get Philip from? Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And also I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. I will give you keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was the Christ, Jesus the Christ. Okay, so <clears throat> one of the things that um, Pastor Andy has said in the past was that in terms of for him to understand the Bible and to remember the Bible, he used to say he kind of liked to picture what was going on. He liked to try and see it in colour. So what I'd like to do here is just kind of <clears throat> expand that a little bit. So in my reckoning, Peter was probably a pretty impulsive guy. He seemed to do things with probably a bit of a reaction and not so much initially uh, thinking about it before he said or acted. So this is, this is Peter. He's the guy that stepped out of the boat to walk on the water. And then after a few steps, he started to falter. This is Peter, who, to whom Jesus would have to say, get thee behind me, Satan. This is the same Peter who, I believe, tried to cut off the ear of one of the soldiers as they were arresting Jesus. This is the same Peter who said, I'll never deny you and then did it three times within a very short space of time. Peter often acted or spoke without possibly thinking as much as he should. And I can really relate to that because through my 20s and 30s, I had this hideous reputation of, of opening my mouth and putting one foot in and sometimes two. And as Pastor Stu has pointed out, I tend to think about things a little bit more now. I probably think too much sometimes. My wife will tell you that I do. Um, because there are often pregnant pauses in my conversation as I try and work out what I want to say before I say it. But for me, I feel that's better than opening my mouth and sticking my foot in it. But there we go, that's another story. I want you to try and imagine how Peter reacted when, he said, when Jesus said, and on this rock I'll build my church. Because in my picture, 
I see Peter thinking, well, how's that going to happen? What am I going to have to do to make that happen? Where do I start? What, what, what do I do? What, 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 what's going to make that come about? And I think Peter, if he is the impulsive guy, maybe he wasn't, I don't know, but if he was the impulsive guy that I think he may have been, he would have missed the most important word in the sentence. Because it says, on this rock, I will build my church. It doesn't say, on this rock, Peter, you've got to build the church. It's I, God will build the church. Jesus will build the church. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I believe what Peter needed to do was literally just keep following Jesus, be willing, be available. All he needed to do was be Peter. And then God could use him. That's what I believe. Okay. Peter made a lot of mistakes in his life, and we all know that. And as Paula spoke, I think it was just before Christmas, she talked about when Jesus came back after his resurrection and spent that time with Peter and walking with Peter. And there were no recriminations, no raking over the old ground. All that Jesus said to him was, Do you love me, Peter? And Peter said, Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said to him, Go and tend my sheep. Go look after my people. Yeah. And yeah. for all the mistakes that he made, for all the mistakes I've made, I don't know about you guys. Maybe you haven't made mistakes. God has given me so many chances. So many second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, 200 chances, whatever it is. I've lost count. I'm sure I hope God's lost count as well. We have an opportunity. We have the possibility <clears throat> not to rectify the mistakes, but to serve God in spite of all the mistakes we've made along the way. Yeah. So the question here is, where do I need to help? Sorry, <clears throat> excuse me. What do I need to do in the building process? Am I willing? Am I available? Will I keep my eyes focused on God, focused on Jesus? Because that's what I want to do. Yeah. I'll leave that with you. I'm winding up now. I don't know how far I've gone time-wise. I'm fine. Okay. In conclusion. Okay, so I'm just going to summarise the whole thing of what I said here. Because what I, what I concluded was that my father chose me he had a purpose for me. In the past, I've kind of wondered, why on earth would he have done that? But I'm clear on things now. I've got my head around it, if you like. And I don't doubt any longer. I know why I've been chosen. But here's a thought I want to put out there. It's chosen each and every one of you too. And you guys watching online. One of his greatest desires, this was when we come back to the song, one of his greatest desires is to spend time with you, to walk with you daily. We just need to respond. We just need to make time and make space for him. The Bible tells us many things about Jesus. He's the, well, gives, tells us he has many names. The Son of Man. He's the Lion and the Lamb. He's the firm foundation, <clears throat> the chief cornerstone. It's amazing. 
It truly is. And, and, and when we think about our identity within that, Pastor Andy spoke, uh, I think it was Talking Church on Tuesday, and we often say that we're sinners saved by grace or something along those lines as Christians. But I think Pastor Andy tried to make it really clear, no, you're not a sinner, you're a saint. Apologise if you're a Pompey fan. Okay. What else does the Bible tell us about who we are? It says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people. We're more than conquerors. We're living stones. Here's the challenge then. If we're to be living stones, if we are living stones, we should be rocks in the house of God. Steadfast and strong in our faith, aligned with the cornerstone and built on the firm foundation. For my part, I'm a changing size rock. Do you know, I've been on a diet, I've lost a little bit of weight. I don't want to be the biggest rock in the wall. I don't want to be the smallest rock in, uh, rock in the wall. I just want to be a rock. That's the point I want to leave you with. For me, I want to be a rock. I invite you to join me on the journey. That's it. I've finished. Really good, wasn't it? Really good. Um, I got loads out of that actually, and just the thoughts about uh, ensuring that every part of our lives are being built on the rock that is Jesus, um, and, and the way you presented that, Richard. Not in any judgmental way at all, just that this is, these are the things that you're thinking about and, and things that we should think about as well. Are our lives lining up with the cornerstone? And, and, and very much um, the point that you made about the fact that despite the mistakes that we've made, despite all our failures, all our frailties, God can still use us. And um, you know, this, this temple that God's building, this holy temple, that is many, many living stones being put together. It's an incredible building, it's God's building. And every living stone looks so different. Uh, and every living stone has a story to tell, doesn't it? Um, and, and I know Richard's got a story to tell, I've got a story to tell, and, and we all have a story to tell, don't we? And the important thing isn't, are you the biggest rock or the smallest rock? The, the important thing is that you're part of the building. And, sorry? That you are a rock. That you are a rock, in, indeed. And, and that, that you're in the right place. And I guess that's our job as, as church leaders, as pastors, to help you find the place that, that God wants you to be. Um, but the very, very first step is just making yourself available to God. So let's just pray as we finish tonight. Thank you very, very much, Richard. Father, thank you that um, when you look at us, as, as Richard said tonight, Lord, you don't need us, you want us. And that's a wonderful thing to know. Lord, uh, that just makes us feel so secure and so loved and so valued. And I pray that no one listening to this message tonight, either here in this room or online, would, uh, would forget that. Lord, that this week, that, that thought would just continually be in our hearts. You don't need us you want us. I pray, Father, that each of us would just 
be prepared to challenge ourselves to make sure our lives, every part of our lives are fully being built on the rock. Uh, and I pray also that, that our lives would be lined up with what you want for us, Lord Jesus. And above all else, that would be available to you. Thank you for Richard. Thank you for Philippa, for their whole family. Lord, bless them, we pray. Bless every person here. Bless every person watching this broadcast tonight. Lord, we bless you. We thank you for all you're doing and all you're going to do. Amen. Amen. Thank you, everyone, for watching tonight. We're all getting a bit close. <laughs>